Hey, there we go, nation. What's going on today? You got Keith Bill sitting here. It's Saturday live in the lab with myself. That's me, Keith Billis, doing a solo show today. I'm excited about it, actually. I got a few things I want to talk about with you guys today. Are you getting a Vision Pro? Are you getting an Apple Vision Pro? Play some cameras. Are you? I am. Not sure if we'll get version one, version two, but I'm certainly going to get one. We're going to talk about the Vision Pro here today. I want to talk about the power of time language. Have you ever thought about time language before? I'm sure you haven't. Even just that concept in a sentence is probably like, huh? What's he talking about? Time language. Well, so we're, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So just stick around for a conversation around time and language and creating a future narrative for yourself. I have found in, in for me as a leader, in conversations with my, uh, and as an accountability partner, for me in conversations with, with people looking for help with the next step, talking in a future narrative is is a skill that I don't think we talk enough about. We're going to come back to that in a few moments. I got a few things we're going to do today as well. Uh, two posts jumped out at me today that I really, really thoroughly enjoyed. One from John Kraski. Trying to get John on the show. The guy's funny. John Kraski, shout out to you, man. I love your content you're putting on on LinkedIn. It's making me laugh. And I, I want to get you on the show, get some of that humor on the other side of the camera. And uh, I want to hear your story. I want, to, I, want to, I want to know where that humor comes from. So, uh, Kraski, calling out to you, my friend. We'd love to have you on the show and and uh, <laughs> get behind some of the comments. So, uh, we're going to talk about you know the comment from John. Um, another comment that popped up for me today, I just want to throw on the table, which I just absolutely loved. And knowing that we're all about helping people achieve their big, hairy, audacious goals. Kevin Kermes says, use a goal as a place to come from versus a point of arrival. Loved that. Loved that a lot. And I thought that it's something that was definitely worth sharing with Business Athlete Nation. So uh, think about that next time, which is, you know, using a goal. And I think this really much relates to the conversation around time language and creating that future narrative. Because if you, if you place that goal at the, at the place where you come from instead of the point of arrival. So typically we think of goals as endpoints. I want to reach the goal of climbing a mountain. But in reality, when you climb a mountain, as you know, when you get to the top, you're not finished. You still gotta go to the bottom. And in my experience, hello, Mount Pico, going down the mountain significantly harder than going up. Hello, Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Hello, Inca Trail. So there's, uh, I want to talk about that as well. And then finally, we're going to bring in, we're going to wrap the show up. I'm going to, I'm going to bring in a conversation. I sat down for an interview with Brandon Davis on his show, which was a show called um, Get Over Yourself, the Get Over Yourself podcast with Brandon Davis. So for the end of the show here, we're having, we have about a 37 minute conversation, myself and Brandon. I'm going to throw it on the air here for you guys. Detoxing from social media is the title of his show. So we'll bring that up in a few moments. But uh, before we do that, 
why don't we go back to the beginning of our dialogue here and and and, and flip into the conversation about are you getting an Apple Vision Pro? And and I think what I want to do is I want to pull up this post that I posted today, which will be really helpful, I think, for all of us to kind of understand wh- where this product sits today. Okay, so let's just have a quick peek at this here. Let's do this here, do this here, do, 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 do. No, this is the one here I want to do. Here. All right, so we're going to go, we're going to go present, we're going to share a screen here. Do, 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 do. This one, no, this one. There it is. Awesome. Cool. All right. So you can see on this screen, this is really the status of the Vision Pro today. There's, it's, it's actually not more complex than this. What you're looking at here is is the world of Vision Pro and the world of Tesla. So if you look at the Roadster came out. Hello, Tesla Roadster. High-priced item. Not a lot of people bought it, but it was used to generate interest. It was used to generate uh, curiosity. It was used to generate conversation. And it was used to generate some cash flow because at the time, Tesla was brand new and it was like, hey, Let's find 2,000 people to all give us a couple hundred grand for this car, and it'll help bankroll and fund the company. So they launched the Roadster as a startup. Well, if you look to the right of that, Division Pro, well, high-priced, limited audience, targeted mostly to developers, I'd say early adopters. The same person that bought the Roadster is probably the same kind of person that might be thinking about getting the Vision Pro, right? Has a few bucks in their pocket, right? And then as you see, as technology matures, more people buying the product, technologies, the, the costs come down. And next thing you know, there's the Model S, the Model X on one side, and then you're going to have probably Vision Pro 2 on the other, more than likely, right? And then, of course, as more and more people buy the products, and as, as the public you know, comes to accept that this is the future, people bought the Model 3s and Model Ys abundantly a lot of model threes a lot of model Ys on the on the on the streets of the world look to the right of that that's going to be the apple vision whether it's vision pro three or apple vision it's easy to see it's gonna look at history look at the future and when you look at you know they're, they're they're creating a new category they purposely not called itself vr not called itself mixed reality, spatial computing. And if you look at typical, traditional marketing, product marketing, creating a new category for themselves, like they've always done in the past, right? There's the Apple Watch and then everything else. There's the Vision, Vision Pro, and then everything else. So watch that. When are you buying your Vision Pro? I know that I have one of these here. And I guess we can probably see if we can have some fun with this here. Let's see here. All right. So, yeah, so I got a, I got a, I got a quest. Um, I have a quest pro. I brought myself a quest pro a year ago. Yeah. Whatever it was a year, year and a half ago. Um, and it's interesting because now that there's been a lot of chatter with, with the vision pro, I find myself, putting this thing back on my head and, and engaging with it and, and, uh, and, and, and playing with the content inside of it. And you're now seeing, you're now absolutely seeing uh, meta uh, mimic copy because now, now there's a reference design, right? 
you know, Apple has created that reference design just like they did with the iPhone and everybody copied it. So the world now knows what Apple's vision for vision is, this mixed reality concept. Now the rest of the world will mimic it. So uh, I'm going to consider doing some shows, you know, in mixed reality. Right now, just seeing what I'm seeing, I can see my whole, the lab around me. Uh, I'm in mixed reality right now. So I see the camera in front of me here. Uh, to my right is my, I got a big screen here in, in, in my purview, purview. Obviously, all my physical screens are around me here. But, you know, within my point of view, I can see uh, I got a browser window open right here with my Google Keep open with my list of things we're talking about. So it's pretty cool, right? When you think about it, I'm talking to you guys, I got some virtual stuff here. Um, but uh, it's inevitable this will become smaller. There's, there's no question about it. When are you going to get one? When are you going to get one? Apple Vision Pro, not this MetaQuest thing, right? So, all right. So I'm going to take this thing back off my skull. We keep the conversation going. Okay, so let's get out of this one and let's move the dialogue to this one right here. All right, so John Kraski, funny dude, man. Funny dude on LinkedIn. I, I see this hook. Most of what you see here is fake. And he's right. Probably a lot of it is fake, actually. You know, he, he, so I ask myself sometimes, yeah, you know, join the other 300,000 subscribers. Really? Do you actually have three? Can you show me the proof? Yeah, well, you spend some advertising dollars, I'll show you the proof, right? Like, how does somebody actually know whether they have a thousand subscribers, a million subscribers, 300,000? Like, how do we know? We're just taking somebody's word on their digital pamphlet that, yeah, you join the other 8 million people following Keith in the Business Athlete Performance Lab. How do you know not 8 million people are there? You don't. So I, so I, I couldn't help but laugh about John's about John's comment here, because um, it's hard not to disagree, right? Whether he's, whether there's truth here or not, it's hard not to disagree. That's, uh, you know, what what what's real and what's fake? Most people probably aren't crushing it. Most people probably aren't making millions. Most people's businesses probably aren't successful. Uh, and like he says, maybe it's time for a new narrative to be real, be authentic. And I'd say it's something that we're pretty adamant about here in the lab is being absolutely authentic the whole time. So whether I'm having a shady day, having a great day, although part of my job is to make sure you guys know I'm having a great day. That's what you pay me for, to entertain you and inform you, not to inform and bore. If you want to be informed and bored, go listen to somebody else's podcast. If you want to be entertained, stick around for the show. Live in the lab with Keith Billis. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to get here. And, and hopefully one day, John Kraski. I like the guy's humor. want to bring him in. So, so anyway, so there's John's humor. Um, what's up next? We are going to talk. Oh, last but not least, before we jump into the dialogue with um, Brandon Davis, I'm going to show you one more post that I'm hoping people are going to grab a hold of and spread around, which is the vitamin G post. Listen, we've created this, this, this template that's available on Canva. It's the daily dose of vitamin G. Open to edit. Take the whole thing and edit it. And then share it. Just leave the daily dose of vitamin G part, but just edit it and share it with everybody. And send vitamin G to somebody you want. Do it. I invite you to. It's all there. So check this post out. Um, 
have a quick read of it, steal it, links to Canva. So if you have Canva, I probably do. Most people have Canva, I'm thinking. Get in there, edit this thing, and then share it. And let's fill LinkedIn up with lots of gratitude. Okay, so before we move over to Brandon Davis, I want to talk about time language and creating future narratives for ourselves. As we get older and as we gather more experience in life, we're able to reflect upon time on how it feels in the future. What do I mean? Well, we know what Christmas feels like. We know what it's like to buy gifts, rush to buy gifts, the stress, anxiety of it around the month of December. We know what that feeling between Christmas and New Year's is. If, if we pause and listen to ourselves, we can absolutely feel time. The time of September when kids go back to school, whether you have kids or not. That feeling, the fall air, the different messaging happening on television, radio, podcasts, just the different marketing, the different feel, the colors are changing. We know how spring feels. So what's the point you're wondering? All those feelings relate to your future narrative, your, your, your time language. Something I've often done with teams in the past is sitting down with them and doing an exercise of, okay, it's now December 3rd, 2024. What have we accomplished this year? And it's taking this mindset, it's taking this mindset of pretending it's December 4th, 2024. And it's taking the mindset of feeling what has happened since the beginning of the year. Very similar to the conversation earlier with, with Kevin Carmez, or the comment from him, which was, don't look at the goals at the end, look at the goals at the beginning point. So if we're looking at it from that mindset, ask yourself, all right, it's December 5th right now, 2024. Jeez, man. We had a great fall. We didn't accomplish a couple of our quarter two goals. Uh, we had a great summer. We had a great spring. Speak in language reflecting upon what you have already accomplished instead of looking towards what you plan on accomplishing. I would encourage you to try that narrative shift out with your team, encouraging them to think as the goal, as the beginning instead of the end. Again, we go back to the mountain. The goal is not climbing to the top of a mountain. The goal is getting to the bottom. Very different story. Because we often lose sight of the fact when you get to the top, you've only, you're only halfway accomplishing your goal. So when you look at time, have conversations with your team thinking a year in advance, six months in advance. I find in my experience using timelines like a year, a year and a half in advance, one year is wonderful because it gives us as human beings enough time to reflect upon the feeling of time that's happened. So I invite you to try that trick out. Time, language, put it together and see what happens. Okay, so why don't we pivot the conversation 
to my conversation with Brandon Davis, where he had me on his show called Detoxing from Social Media. So I'm going to step out of the lab. I'm going to bring his show on the air. Uh, it, was, it was video, but his it's podcast. So uh, if you're watching, you ain't going to see nothing. If you're listening, it's all going to sound the same. Keith Billis and Brandon Davis coming to you live in the lab. Here goes. Hold on. There we go. Living in Canada. He's a Canadian through and through. He says the word A. And so you best believe we're going to be having a good conversation with him. I'll let Keith introduce himself a little bit before we get jumping into the full force of today's episode. Um, but before we do, I wanted to share the quote or the scripture of the day. It's found in Psalms 23, verse 4. And the reason why I'm sharing this one is because I believe it's something that Keith emulates inside of his life. So it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So Keith, I've been, we had a good conversation over on his podcast just a minute ago. So if you guys want to hear more of our conversation, make sure to jump into that and um, post it online, but also you can go back and listen to it after it's been published. Um, but yeah, after getting to know Keith for a little bit, we've been chatting for a couple of weeks and then we had a great conversation. He is the kind of guy that does not fear pretty much anything. So I felt like that was appropriate scripture, but if you guys are having any fears inside of your life, make sure there's one person you always can rely on, and that is Christ to walk through those fears. But Keith, thanks for joining us, man. Let's jump into the full conversation. Brandon Davis, what's going on, my friend? Eh? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if we don't hear that after every sentence inside today's podcast, I would say it was a waste. So I it was a waste, eh? Yeah, there you go. So listen, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. I, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly excited to be here. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed our conversation over on Live in the Lab with myself, Keith Billis, here over the last half an hour. And I'm very flattered that the time that we spent together gave you enough about me to to share that scripture with your audience to describe me. And I'm glad they're recording this because my kids are going to want to hear that one day because my kids don't believe that dad doesn't walk into fear. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You got to share it with them and say, see, somebody believes it. That's it. That's it. So dad's actually a superhero, kids. <laughs> we'll, see if they, we'll see if they believe that one. Yeah. No, every, no. Dude, hey. looking up to my dad, every, every kid believes their dad's a superhero. I was just going to say, do you look up to your dad still or do you realize that uh, – that uh, our dads are human too, right? Like, what's the moment, Brandon? Because I know I had the moment where we, as young as young boys of our fathers, recognize that our dad's not Superman. Yeah, I don't know. Like, in some ways, I still consider him. He's a dude. I was blessed. Yeah. By the most amazing parents in the entire world. Um, what's funnier though is I get older and older. It's like the definition of like when you're just kind of embarrassed with your dad. I, whenever, dude, my wife thinks he's the funniest guy on earth, and when she just starts cracking up and laughing at him, I'm like, this dude, he's not funny. Like he's my dad. I love him. He's a great example, but he's not funny, and she just thinks he's the funniest dude. So I take that for what it's worth, man. It's funny how it still works, though, right? So you're in your 20s there, and she's laughing at the dad jokes, and you're uh, like, no not funny honey they're not funny at all and your dad's like oh yeah i'm actually pretty funny brandon yeah no it's the reverse effect though because when, then when we meet up with her family and we're hanging out with her dad i start <laughs> cracking up and she goes that's not funny either so i've it's just like one of the stigmas that goes with it right 
Yeah, I um, I, I hope my kid? kid. I I got your three kids. Funny. I so I I got three kids. I got a seventeen year old. I got a fourteen year old, and I got a seven year old. Uh, my seven year old still thinks I'm funny. Uh, my, my, my 17 year old thinks I'm probably a fool, although he's awesome. And my 14 year old daughter, well, she rolls her eyes at me. So I've noticed that the dad jokes, I need to, I need to use them appropriately with the right child so I can get the right effect, Brandon. There you go. Hey, and even if you're not using it appropriately, it still makes for a good time. They'll appreciate it one day. They, I, I'm, I'm convinced that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not always with the dad jokes, Brandon. Hey, eh? it's, um, it's also in the, it's also in the, uh, in, in the photographs, you got to have like those, you got to have like the dad look, right? So when, when, when the family photograph gets together and, and the dad look is like this. Or, or, it's, or it's the photo where you're sitting in the background going like you're constipated or like, or you're like a bad version of Will Ferrell, right? I, and I'm like, if I can be the Will Ferrell in every single family photo, I know my kids will laugh one day because you look at all of our family photos and there's the cool dad doing this. <laughs> one day they'll appreciate it. When no. they get like, like a couple, like you said, your daughter is in her teens right now. She'll probably yeah. think, oh, gosh, what, what is he doing? We just had this conversation over on Keith's show. So once again, guys, make sure to go check that out. But we're talking a little bit about social media. Keith uh, worked in social media when he was just right. getting going. And he'll speak to that in a second. But we're talking about how nowadays it's very sad when we're afraid to post something simply because it won't get any likes. It won't get any comments, like no engagement. Like we're afraid of posting that on, on the Internet. And so I can picture your daughter right now where she's like, ah, oh, I can't post that. My dad looks like a fool right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm sure that was exactly what, uh, but you know, it's actually funny you say that because when we talked over on Live in the Lab, but, you know, so I left social media, as I told you, Brandon, about eight years ago. I didn't yeah. like what it was doing to me, didn't like how I was affecting my mental health. And but more importantly, I saw at the time my seven-year-old son, him watching his dad's behavior on social media. And I didn't like what I was seeing going on in his brain as he was watching me. And I was like, no, actually, that's not good. So when I stopped, what it did for my kids, my kids didn't embrace it. So my children, my three kids are, you know, so they're, they, they've grown up with and been wrapped around social media as, 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 as they're, you know, they're, again, they're 18, 14, and, and, yeah. and 17. But they're really like they have no, it's not a big part of their lives. So as a dad, I feel pretty good about that because my daughter doesn't get stressed out about posting pictures of her dad because she doesn't really post anything because okay. she hasn't been exposed to all that because her dad said years ago, I'm getting out of it. Right. So I, I'm hopeful that that's a legacy I can leave for my kids, which is, but now, but now here's the other side of that little brand is that we live in a world now where audience matters, right? Yeah. Hey, how's your audience? Uh, I don't have one. Okay. See ya. It's, it's like, it's that dichotomy, right? Yeah, dude. I don't know if any of the listeners or yourself, Keith, have actually seen this. Uh, I just started watching Black Mirror. Have you ever seen Black Mirror? I have. Yes, I have. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So maybe you'll know where I'm talking about with this one. And I forget <laughs> the name. I'll have to pull it up afterwards and let everyone know. But there's an episode where the lady goes on and <laughs> their entire life, they sit on their phones and you leave each other ratings. It's like a Google <laughs> review or a Yelp review. <laughs> You go and you leave somebody a rating. So you have an interaction at the coffee shop. Boom, you leave a rating. You have tech, like Keith's on my podcast right now. If I thought he was doing good, boom, a rating. And it's like a constant effort of everyone staring at their phones and rating people. And the whole episode is based upon the principle of like, if you get bad ratings, you have less, less privileges inside of your life. You don't get to go in the fast lane at the airport. You get your food slower. You uh, get less fancy cars. Your rent is more expensive if you have less ratings. But the higher your rating is, the more privileges you get. 
And so it led to this entire society of people just being fake, no actual relationships. Everyone was just trying to put on a smiley face so they could get a positive rating. So Keith, jumping back over to you, you have lived in a social media world. You started your business based yeah. around social media. It blew up. You had a great business and you were kind of on that very beginning, early adopter edge of social media when it was first getting going. Tell us a little bit about what it was like. Tell us a little bit about your business and what eventually happened. Yeah, uh, I will absolutely go there, Brandon. But first of all, I want to comment on that Black Mirror episode you just brought up. It's it's really, it's hard to not see that happening in some ways, right? The idea of the credit score, your social score. And I and I share that with you because if we go back to your question about, you know, I've been around social media, it's really, when it was called user-generated content, like I've been around before Facebook was a thing, right? I was I was around as YouTube was being sold to Google, right? I was around for the birth of Twitter. So I was, I, I was, so the company I started back was called ICC Moderation Services. And Brandon, what we did was we moderated user-generated content. And I'm using that term on purpose because back in the day, that's what it was called, user-generated content, right? We all had our mobile phones and we were creating just basic text messages or, or pictures, like basic content. And uh, users in the early days of the internet were being encouraged by marketers to participate in promotions, marketing campaigns, right? So you'd go to big, big brands would, you know, send us a picture of uh, at the Molson Coors event where you're playing golf and things like that, right? So, um, but back in those early days, they needed a company to manage the content before it was getting posted online. They didn't want naked pictures of people they didn't want inappropriate words so it was like okay so we sat down with companies like yourself brandon and said okay so brandon what what's the rules you want to put for your community okay keith so no naked girls no naked guys uh, bra tops are not okay but bikini tops are fine so we'd you know define the language for the community define how we would moderate or manage the content for the community and and that's what we did uh, early days, we solved an early problem, Brandon, and then I just that one thing led to another. And before you knew it, we were working with the world's biggest brands, uh, Coca-Cola, Air Canada, uh, all the big networks in, in, in Hollywood, global brands. And what we were doing was we were the company behind the scenes managing social media for the brands. As brands were, I remember, I'm just going to date myself, I remember when Coca-Cola didn't even own their Coca-Cola Facebook page on Facebook. So three guys out of the States said, hey, we're fans of Coca-Cola. We're going to start the Facebook page. So my company had to go and approach these guys to negotiate getting it from them to give it back to Coke. <laughs> Did you have to buy it from them? It was a long, yeah, Coke actually had to negotiate a price because they built up this massive audience, right? So we ended up actually working with these guys and incorporating their fan page into, in, in, Coke took it over. But, but to make a long story short, that just shows you the wild wild west of social media back in those early days right people just grabbing brand pages making like a fan page right mm -hmm. it'd be like me creating the eminem fan page and then one day i'm waking up going no oh, that's that's my property that's mine I, I that's mine right so we were back in those early days and we were managing content for big brands um it was 2007 i saw the keynote a young man named steve jobs said i'm introducing the iphone and my biggest customer at the time was Research in Motion, Canadian company, BlackBerry. Okay. Oh, right? okay. My old man used to use a BlackBerry. I thought that yeah. was the coolest little thing. I had one of the first four Blackberries here in Winnipeg, where I live. Wow. That's how I used to work for Rogers Cantel. So I was selling them. And I'll, I'll tell you a story too, actually, Brandon. Uh, I had a BlackBerry as I was starting ICUC. I was winning business 
because I was faster than everybody else. I won the Coke business for ICUC. I was on my couch watching American Idol, and they sent out a request for a proposal one night about 9 o'clock at night. I had my BlackBerry on my hip. Imagine sitting looking at your dad. I had my BlackBerry on my hip, and all of a sudden, I got this email. Well, back in the days, because we're all now used to getting emails everywhere all the time. Well, back in those olden days, that wasn't the thing. It was always on, always email was a thing. To be, to be able to carry your email in your pocket was actually a was, – was, it was pretty substantial. It, it was, and you were, it was pretty substantial. Yeah. So I got this RFP for, hey, we were looking for a proposal for Coke. So I got it, responded within an hour. Right? I was winning business because I was getting back to prospective customers. Their wallets were open, and I was going real fast. Right, So that, that was the BlackBerry. But it was when Jobs came on stage and said, hey, we're introducing this product. And I was a tech nerd, sold phones for a number of years, went to my business partner and said, hey, you know what? Our books look great. Research emotions an awesome customer. I'm nervous about this device. I think it's going to change the world. And uh, so we made a call to some brokers. I uh, went to the market, said, hey, if we can find two buyers to buy the business, all it takes is actually, it takes one, but it takes two to make it better because then you can put a bidding war in place, right? So we right. put a little package together, went into the market and saw if there was anybody interested in buying our company. Uh, sure enough, there was. Two people showed up. One went against the other and then one bought and did pretty well for ourselves sold the company and then since then since you actually sold it obviously iphone did take off quite quite well it right? did yeah iphone took off uh we worked with research in motion for three more years um did well with them and then and then went separate ways uh and then as i, I sold the company i continued to run it for 10 years and then we we parted ways uh two years ago we parted ways in february of 2021 Okay. You know, it's funny about the entire BlackBerry situation. I still remember. So like, like I mentioned, my old man, he had a BlackBerry himself. Yeah. And when he was using it, um, the iPhone came out, but he wasn't like, he likes getting early tech, but he's not like the, like you say, those early adopters that like immediately just jump in and go for sure. it. So after a couple of years, iPhone starts taking off and he's like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. Switches over to iPhone, gets rid of his, uh, gets rid of the old BlackBerry. And I remember there's one day my brother was at some kind of, I think it was a water polo tournament. My whole family were water polo people. We play some water polo. And uh, so we're at a tournament and I was still younger and I didn't want to go just like any, any young kid. Oh, I don't want to go waste my weekend watching my brother's dumb games. I want totally, right? to yeah. hang out with my buddies or something. Yeah. And uh, I remember his incentive to me to go and watch the game was, <laughs> hey, I got my new phone. I'm going to turn back on this BlackBerry though for the entire weekend. I'm going to let you text your siblings on it. And in my little my little head, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And yeah. I, I'm one of one of four. My brother's already in the pool. I'm already with him. So at least my options to text two of my sisters. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So just on the weekend, I, I'm using this little black bear. I'm like, hey, guess who it is? I'm texting from dad's old phone. Yeah. Like, it's the coolest thing. But then, yeah, give it a couple of years later and Blackberry's gone. Nothing left. It's gone, yeah. And then, but I just saw this year at CES, uh, they released the Clicks keyboard for the iPhone. Did you see that? I haven't. No, what is that? Yeah, so it's it's a keyboard that you slide onto your iPhone, and uh, it, so it was, so I don't know if you remember the so back in the day, BlackBerry. There's a blog called Crackberry made by a guy named Kevin Mahalik, and it was a very popular, famous BlackBerry blog. And uh, as we know, the BlackBerry was famous for its keyboard, uh, and then when the iPhone came out, it killed the physical keyboard. And uh, well, a certain subset of people still want a keyboard, so they developed this revolutionary keyboard for the iPhone, and it's called Clicks. And uh, they just, they launched it, I guess, about a month ago. 
and uh, you slide your iPhone into it and it gives you so back. It's like a, plug straight in and you can just type yeah. right there. Yeah. So I guess, I guess the big thing is though, so now you have a keyboard on the bottom of your phone, but you now have a full screen. Right. right? So you know how sometimes you, you know, you lose half of the screen because your, your keyboard takes it over. Um, but yeah, I found it kind of fascinating that there's still people out there that are still wanting to have that physical keyboard uh, on the bottom of their phone. What's well, kind of interesting, like you even see the, the evolution of iPhone. It started off very slim, you know, very minimalistic. Yeah. Um, obviously, it still is. But then it's been funny to see the generations where the phones used to be small and then they had the iPads that were big. And now they're kind of merging where the iPads were getting smaller and the phones were yes. getting larger. And yes. they're going back to some of that early tech, which is kind of interesting. Well, what I find fascinating too, uh, Brandon, is just it's like they're f- trying to find the, the, the right form factor, right? It's like, it's okay, is yeah. it six, seven? Is it six, nine? Is it, do people want this size? And then went this size? And it's clear that, uh, you know, it's, it's data driven decisions right in front of our eyes, right? Yeah. And it's also interesting. I, I just was uh, doing a case study in one of my classes about this exact concept back a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this. I, I don't remember which generation it was or anything, but iPhone at one point was offering, you know, multiple colors. They had the blues, the yellows, the pinks. Yes. Like, there was a ton of different colors you could buy. But now, what do you do when you go back to iPhone stores? I mean, there's, what, three, four, five options maybe? Like, there's a very limited yeah. amount of options these days. And it's because it was, it was due to the fact of that, like, buyer overwhelm where people weren't purchasing the products because they couldn't figure out exactly which one they wanted. There was too many choices. So now they're going back to just the simple, we're going to give you a couple options. And from those options, you have to pick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw it. You know, so to that point, I saw an interesting post in my feed today people's challenges with chat GPT because of the blank screen. Mm-hmm. That old, okay, there's a white piece of paper. What do I write? Like what? Cause he, psychology, psychologically, we also as human beings sit down in front of a white piece of paper. What am I writing today? Right? So it's like, okay, so how can I help Brandon with a prompt while not doing it for him? Like, so what's that balance? Right? Like, what's the balance? Like how much, how much freedom do I give you? But yet, not enough freedom to keep you within the confines of, of what I want to help you accomplish. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm excited to see what ChatGPT does for, uh, for my business specifically right now that I'm working on the software company. Um, one of our big aspects is when people call into the businesses, obviously our software is answering the phones for them, mm-hmm. but we obviously have to train our software on exactly how the business would respond. So if they're calling, if you get a customer calling into, let's use, I, we're demoing with a pottery studio. So mm-hmm. a customer calls into the pottery studio and they say, I want to make an appointment. Obviously, you have to train our software to be able to reply like you would in order to make mm-hmm. it effective. Mm-hmm. So we have a section on there where you can type in all the details that you want. You, you set in your company URL, any documents, and our software will scrape it all. That way it can actually go on and respond how you would. But also you have to define a few more key terms like very specifically in order for it to work properly. Mm-hmm. And so going on, we have these suggestion boxes. So people could say like, I don't know exactly what, like business owners, a lot of times they're not the savvy, most savvy people. If it's been a mom pop shop for years, they just want to sell their product. They just want to do their experience business, whatever it is. And so what's interesting is they tell us, they're like, I don't know what exactly I would need to put in here. And so what we did is that exact same thing. We started adding the little feature text so people can see, I need to add this feature. I need to add this feature. So it gives them a, a couple suggestions to make sure it's actually working properly. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's funny, right? Because customers want some direction, but some, it's, it's, fun, it's finding that right, just enough direction, but not too much direction. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, like the exactly. Netflix effect too. You sit down in front of Netflix, okay, what do I want to watch? 
do I want to have a blank screen and just start from nothing? Or do I want to have everything presented to me to choose from? It's they're yeah. both really imposing like decisions to make. It's tough either way. So you got to find that equilibrium of, between, and it's different for every person too. Sometimes people want to go on Netflix and say, this is exactly what I want to watch. And it'll tell them, or they'll be able to just choose. But then sometimes they need Netflix to say, these are suggested for you, you know? And yes. They- yes, exactly. Exactly. So Keith, jumping over on your show, um, you asked yeah. me kind of towards the end of the episode, why I make it over yourself. And I want to answer that question. I said I'd answer it on today's episode. Um, and so going into it a little bit, and many of the audience who's been following the show since it was created about two and a half years ago, you guys know this story, but get over yourself. It started very simply. It started off as almost a joke where back in early grade school, many of my friends back then, you know, the, the issues are, oh my gosh, my crush doesn't like me. I got a bad grade on the test. I don't have a couple bucks to go get a piece of candy I want from the store. You know, like little things in life that just don't matter, but in the eyes of a young kid, it matters. Everything matters in that situation. Yes. And so I started saying this joke of a phrase called get over yourself. Whenever somebody would be going through something, I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. Get over yourself. I'd say to myself when something was happening, ah, it's fine. I'll get over myself. And so this simple phrase, it kind of started off as, as a joke, but it slowly got into more of a lifestyle where I was able to say like, okay, now that I'm actually going through tougher things out of my life, I need to get over myself. I need to be able to do that. And so in your specific case, Keith, um, obviously it's the name of the show. It's kind of what we live by now. Um, since you started that business and since you've kind of seen the effects that social media plays in people's lives, in that aspect, what's one area where you've been able to get over yourself? Ah, that's a great question. Yeah, it's a journey of life question. That's a big one, Brian. That's a good question, man. Wow. So I, I've had to get over myself a few times, frankly. Uh, I've had to get over myself going through my divorce. Uh, I've had to get over myself uh, selling my business and moving through that process. Uh, I've had to get over myself as recently as the last six months, Brandon, uh, recognizing that the identity that I was yesterday, that social media CEO, the guy from yesterday is no longer around, right? And, and that identity is is long gone and and I can't keep living through the past. And it's now time to form and forge and create a new identity. Um, so, because I can tell you when I restarted my, my most recent journey, I was quickly humbled when you show up and people weren't standing there with open arms. Like, you, part of me is thinking, well, didn't they miss me? Didn't, weren't they wondering where I was? Actually, nobody cared, right? So, it was, it was a quick reality of, right, I got you know, to get over myself. I'm, I'm just starting from scratch here again. And I'm okay with all that. It's a humbling moment. Uh, but life has taught me, Brandon Davis, a number of times just to get over myself. And I use the metaphor of looking in my own mirror. Look in my own mirror, create some awareness, talk to my therapist, right? And, and, uh, and, and not be afraid to get over yourself. I, I like that example. Look yourself in the mirror. Dive into that a little bit. What does that mean? Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's cliche, but I, but I think there's a lot of truth in that, right? Like, so I, I shared with you this morning, I was going to post something on LinkedIn this morning and I was questioning whether I should post it. It was, it's something that in the past you go, okay, well, should I post it on LinkedIn or X or Twitter? And, you know, it was, it was like a personal post, but yet LinkedIn's kind of turned into all of that now. So I posted it, but I had, to, it took me about 10 minutes to lament in my own head, whether I should post it or not. I went into my bathroom, looked in my own mirror, literally looked in my own mirror myself. I was like, come on. 
Like, actually, really? Are you really, you know, are you really going to be so full of yourself to think that people care that much about the fact that you're so concerned about this post? Just post and thing. So I did, right? But it's just that idea of having that awareness of looking inside of your own mirror, your own self. It's, it's like a self-talk, right? But it's like a self-talk, right, Brandon? Yeah. Being able to look and literally <clears throat> dissect something that you're trying to go through inside of your life right then and say, is this yes. going to put me on a better path or is it going to put me on a path of fear kind of like going back to that scripture is the path going to relate to fear or is it going to relate back to the actual destination i want to go to it's it's that's exactly it it's exactly it uh i i have so i'm a big fan of accountability you know my show and my conversations we we, we often talk about accountability um and it goes back to that metaphor brandon of showing up i, I pride myself on showing up every single day uh, as i said to you uh, on my show that if you ever needed some mentoring or help or discussions the first thing i say okay i'll see you tomorrow at 6 a.m i'll see you at six right because i'll be there i'll just i'll be there I'll, I'll be standing outside the door before you get there but i'll be there and and you'll quickly realize that every single day when you get there it's like holy smokes keith's actually here every single day there's power in that accountability right but i bring that up to you because when you look at the dictionary uh, accountability comes before inevitable a before i and us human beings are so scared of the inevitable we intentionally avoid it. We intentionally don't walk into the fire. Who wants to be a firefighter? Not many people. Being a firefighter, you're walking into the flames, right? Um, that's accountability to me, right? So if you can look in the mirror, have awareness, create accountability, you can get ahead of the inevitable because the inevitable is going to happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you can't stop the inevitable. You actually, as a human being, have the choice how the inevitable happens if you're smart about it, because you can then inevitably control it. You follow me? Yeah. No, I like that because there's the people in life where they say destiny is going to control me. They set back and say, whatever happens, happens. No. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, some, we talked about this over on your show. Some people yeah. are just like that. Whatever happens, happens. I could never personally live my life that way, though. I'm the kind of guy where you have to take control of your own destiny. You have to take control of the things that are happening inside of your life if you want to create the path that you want to go down. Obviously, there's God's hand in everything. Like, there's certain things that are just yes. going to play out, and you take it how you can. But there's this narrative going around these days where people are afraid to take ownership. People are afraid to step up for what they know is right. They're afraid to actually go and carve their own path because they don't want to offend somebody. They don't want to take on that responsibility. They don't want, they want something else to blame. So it's yes. whatever path they're going down. If it, if it goes horribly wrong, they don't have to blame themselves. It wasn't my fault. It was somebody else's fault. It was, it was the government's. It was, it was God. It was whoever in my life was planted there. It's their fault. They don't want to take ownership anymore. I, I, I agree with you. I, it's one of the things that I don't like about today's media landscape. Is, is people are afraid to have an open conversation. And people are afraid to be disagreed with. People are afraid that if Keith and Brandon can't agree on something that we shouldn't talk anymore. Actually, yep. no, I, I wanna hear Brandon's point of view. I want Brandon to teach me. I want Brandon to tell me everything. I, I don't need Brandon to convince me, but I wanna be educated. I will then decide whether I will be convinced or not, but I wanna hear what Brandon has to say instead of, oh, you're saying that? Okay, tune you out, go to somebody else. That is what I don't like about the world is, is because then 
we're removing all accountability. Mm-hmm. We're 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 just we're 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 all singing the same kumbaya, saying the same things, and then we're all just reacting to life, not proactively living life. I know when I when I, I said to you my, on my show, Brennan, I clearly got a sense from you when I first met you that you proactively live life. You get up every single day attacking it, not reacting to it. There's a difference. If you're reacting, you've already lost. Right. So if you're customers, again, you're a business guy. I, I tell my, my, my colleagues this all the time. No customer is ever going to call you and say, hey, Brennan, yeah, will you stop calling me and ask me how I'm doing? Hey, Brennan, you're, you're checking on me too much, man. <laughs> Brennan, you're, you're sending me too much follow-up calls to make sure I'm doing okay. Nobody ever does that. Instead, mm-hmm. hey, Brennan, yeah? Yeah, you haven't checked on me in six months. You've already lost because you're reacting. Right? So that in itself is like a no-brainer to me. That's why when you told me that you proactively pick up your phone every single day and message or call your buddies, dude, that's proactively living life. And whoever is listening to this can learn a lot from that in itself. Yeah, I haven't spoke about that in quite some time. I shared this over on Keith's episode, but um, it's a challenge. If you're one of my longer listeners, it's a challenge I presented probably about a year and a half, two years ago, where you don't want to lose some of the relationships that you've made inside of your life. These relationships mm-hmm. you fostered for years and years, mm-hmm. these ones where you went through hard times, through good times, through everything in between, you don't want to lose those. As life goes on, you, mm-hmm. it's inevitable you're going you're gonna to eventually stay in less contact with these people. But one of my challenges I kind of present to myself is every week I try and contact at least three people, um, whether it's sending them a text or calling them when I'm in the car, of somebody I haven't talked to in quite some time. I just scroll down my contacts list or go on social media and scroll down some of my followers or the people I'm following, and I just I message them because it's a good way to harness that contact. Especially for us as guys and as we age, we both know that you know male loneliness is a big problem as men get into their 40s and 50s and so oh, forth. Yeah. So, you know, for you to have that awareness now and 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 be creating that dynamic with your friends and your circle now, that that's you're planting the gardening metaphor, right, Brandon? You're planting wonderful seeds right now that you're going to reap those rewards down the, down the road over and over and over. And I applaud you for that, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and it's not even just like I'm trying to reap a reward. It's like I genuinely – and this is where it has to be coming from. Maybe not at first. Maybe if you're just trying to get in the habit of it. But eventually you have to be coming from a genuine place because if you don't actually care, people are going to be yes. able to tell that. You 100%. can tell in a conversation when somebody is actually engaged. You can tell when somebody yes. wants to hear you or versus when you just want to talk about yourself. You, people can yes. feel those things. Yes. So if you're not doing it from a place of being genuine, it's not going to work out good. But Keith, uh, before we close out, I wanted to kind of jump into mm-hmm. one, more, one more question here. Um, we were bringing up how a lot of times in today's society, whether that be over social media or in person, people are so afraid to hear someone else's opinion now if it doesn't necessarily agree with what they believe. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like the biggest scare in our world right now. And obviously you're coming from Canada, so you could tell me how it is with uh, Trudeau running again for prime minister. That's a whole different conversation we could have another day. But um, like in today's example, I used to be the kind of guy when I would watch the news, I would sit there and watch uh, Bill O'Reilly was my guy back in the day, back mm. when I was in high school. I love Bill O'Reilly. Anything he said, I was basically like, this is doctrine. And then it comes out, the guy had an interesting past, and I'm like, oh, well, the guy I looked up to a ton. Uh, he, he had an interesting past. Maybe, maybe some of the things he was saying isn't exactly what I, I should be following. But 
um, take for another example, a lot of people are obsessed with Ben Shapiro here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And what drives me crazy, I like a lot of things he says, and but this goes on on both ends of the spectrum here. Nowadays, it's the left is trying to get you to believe this. The right is trying to get, get you to believe that. They're saying this, they're saying that, and you have to choose a side. They're making you pinpoint a side, and it's always the other side's fault. No matter what happens, it's always the other side's fault. Always. And so I want to get your opinion coming from up north a little bit there, Keith. What's it like for you? What's, what's the solution to that where people can come back together and it's not somebody else's fault. It's not always the other person to blame, but like, and we don't always have to generalize saying if they disagree with us in just the tiniest way, they're, they're in the wrong every time. What, what a wonderful topic, Brandon. And, and then, and I don't know if we have enough of our life to talk about it because we <laughs> probably talk about this for years on end. And maybe, maybe this is what you and I need to talk about for years. We can come back to each other on this one. Cause it's a wonderful topic that I don't know. So here's what I've learned as I've started my show, Brandon, is that I don't want to be that person who has to pick a side. But yet, to your point, people are wanting that, right? They're like, well, no, but Keith, you got to be on the left. You got to be on the right. I'm like, no, I want to actually be able to have a conversation with both sides. And I want to be able to see what happens on both sides. And then I want to be able to make my own decision, right? And I don't know if this is a global thing, right? And I'll tell you, as, as I've grown up, uh, it's sometimes I think like I'm living in the Avengers, right? You got one guy <laughs> who owns the technology, which is Musk. You got Iron Man, right? You have like, are we moving towards a world where, where there's a person like Elon who like, it's not unfeasible to think that we wake up one day where Elon has a larger podium than the president of the United States. He frankly does. Right. So if people aren't going to like Biden or like Trump, but like Musk, does he become the third alternative in the U S Right. And, and as politics become more global instead of, you know, so an author, an author, authoritarian, right. And, and, and leaning right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we ever go back to a world where open dialogue can, can happen. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I don't like a world where we all have to go and find our spot uh, go find our, our 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 cave or our tunnel, and then just hear each other's echo chamber. And that it seems to me that seems to be the kind of world that uh, that that we're being presented with right now, which is a world of echo chambers. If, if I don't like what Brandon has to say, I can go somewhere else and go and hear what I do want somebody to tell me and kumbaya with that. Yeah, it's curious. Well. I guess over the next couple of years, we'll have to do our part to make sure that doesn't happen in whatever form. Well, it is. Listen, but also, it, it, people just need to, people need to hear these sort of things and just realize like, Hey, you're not, I think it's the most, and I'll close out on this too. I think it is the most prideful thing on earth for somebody to always say, Oh, you can't be right. But then when it comes to like politics or anything like that, they always assume they're right. Like that is the most prideful thing on earth. Like, yes, everyone's always going to assume they're right, but like you have to recognize, take a step back, get over yourself. Right. And yeah. say, no, like I definitely could be wrong in this situation. And I'm not saying you're going to be wrong 24 seven, but I'm definitely am saying you're going to be wrong more than you yes. think you are. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I don't know. We got to go, Brian. I've really leaned on using language and, and emotions and feeling around the word human, because I think at the end of the day, if we can use that language more often than not, I don't care what Brandon's religion is. I don't care what Brandon's sexuality is. I don't care what Brandon's wearing. I care that Brandon has a heart. He's got a brain. He's got a point of view. And I want to learn about that. I want to learn about Brandon's fears when he's scared. 
I want to learn about so that that's that's what's interesting to me because we all have those same emotions as human beings, regardless of what we are or where we came from. And that is I think it's too often forgotten about. So I like to really move right down to the human being, right? And ask what what scares Brandon? Brandon the human. What scares Keith? Like that to me is interesting. You know? Well, Keith, we'll have to dive into this. I'll have you back on the show here in a couple of weeks and we'll be able to finish this conversation more fully. Um, we are wrapping up today's episode of Get Over Yourself Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. And guys, just remember, Keith, he recorded a, an episode with me on there as well. We had a way more in-depth conversation kind of getting going. So if you felt like we joined this conversation, we were, we were already kind of bouncing ideas back and forth because we were. So make sure. So there you go. There's my conversation with Brandon Davis over on the Get Over Yourself Podcast. Go check it out. Go check out the full conversation. And of course, Brandon and I had a chat live in the lab earlier this week as well, published. So you'll find that on inside.baffle.ai and you'll find my conversation with Brandon on Get Over Yourself podcast on all the major platforms. All right. So two quick things before we say goodbye. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You see right down the bottom of the screen, inside. Oh, it's not there. Hmm. Inside.baffle.ai. Yeah, here, I'll show you. Right. You all know who I am. Dude, mom, that's not going to work. Inside.bapple.ai. Inside.bapple.ai. And BAPL.ai. And if you like what you're hearing, get on over to Apple, Spot, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and click on review. And click on the old stars to give us some reviews and uh, like the performance of the show. Okay, I'm out of here. Keith Billis, live in the lab. You guys know where to find me. I come here every single day, Monday to Monday, noon central time, some days with guests and some days no guests. Today, no guests, just me, my monologue, some commentary, and an appearance from Brandon Davis. Everybody, we will see you tomorrow, live in the lab at noon. I am out of here.